Welcome to the Dew of Heaven service with Reverend Brian Krumah. Reverend Brian Krumah brings you powerful and practical teachings of the Word of God, which is able to save your soul. Reverend Bright currently pastors the Bronx North Branch of the Kodesh Family Church in New York City, a church full of love, joy, and enthusiasm for the Lord. We pray that this message brings hope and light to your life. Listen and be blessed. We are thankful, we are grateful this afternoon for giving us the opportunity to be in your presence. We pray, Lord, that your spirit will lead and guide us through the sharing of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you clap for the Lord as you take your seats. And um, we want to continue our message on the things that cause the work of God to cease. The things that cause the work of God to cease. How many of you think it is important that we know about the things that can cause the work that we are doing here to stop, to cease, to stop moving on? And that is what we have been sharing for some few weeks now. And um, today, by the grace of God, we may be able to conclude the message So I want us to read our foundational scriptures quickly one more time and then um, we will um, continue. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. Um, Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, Matthew 16, 18, And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus is saying he will build his church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against against it. Amen. 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 Jesus identifies when he made plans to build his church. He's the one that says, before you rise up to build, you must count the cost. Amen. Amen. So when Jesus made plans to build his church, he counted the cost and he realized that what will oppose the church, what will make building the church difficult are what he calls the gates of hell. And he analyzed how he's going to build it and said, but they will not prevail against it. It means that the gates of hell will stand, it will rise, but it will not succeed in stopping the church from going forward. Amen. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? It means that the church will experience resistance as we are building, but it will not succeed. The resistance will not prevail against building the church. And so we have identified some of the gates of hell that will rise up to resist building the church of God. Amen. And I want you to turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 4 
Nehemiah chapter 4, and we can read from verse 6. Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 6. The scripture says, so built we the wall. So built we the church. We built the wall around the church. So built we the wall. And the wall was joined together unto the half thereof. For the people had a mind to work. But it came to pass that when Sambalat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up, that the breaches began to be stopped, then they were much, they were very rough and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. And Judah said, the strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed and there is much rubbish so that we are not able to build the wall. And our adversaries said, they shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them and slay them and cause the work to cease. And cause the work to cease. So the plans of the enemy, the way the enemy intends to stop the work of God from going forward is a device that you are not supposed to know. It's a device that you are not supposed to easily identify. It is a, it's a device that you will not even suspect that this is what is about to destroy the church. And he's saying that that device... He will bring it within us. It will be within us. And it will, he says, they will not know. They shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them. That means that the enemy's plan is to become church members that you cannot identify as enemies. Church members that you cannot identify as weapons. And he will use these weapons in our midst to cause the work to cease. He says, they will not know, neither see, till we come in the midst of them and then begin to slay them and cause the work to cease. Hallelujah. So we want to identify how can the enemy, as we have joined the church, because None of us join the church with plans to cause the work of God to cease. Do you have any plans that the beautiful work that God is doing here should stop? We don't. But the enemy's plan is to turn us into such weapons. And so we want to learn how the enemy can make us into such weapons so that we do not become prey to the enemy, that the enemy will not use us as such weapons. Is it a good thing? Should we know about these things? And so we have identified some few weapons that we can become or we can avail ourselves for the enemy to use. And one such weapon is the spirit of independence. We shared so much about the spirit of independence. And then what else? What is the second weapon? The spirit of offense. The spirit of offense. That when we are offended, 
we become a weapon for the enemy. That the enemy's intention is to come in our midst and then make us offended and then we become a cause for the work to cease. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? And then what is the third one? Passivity. Passivity. You see, the weapons that I am showing you or we are identifying, they are all in the scriptures, as you have seen. And they are not weapons that are apparent or are so clear for you to see. They are not weapons that you can easily identify because they are not meant for you to identify. They are not physical weapons. They are not weapons that are in the face of dragons and snakes. Do you understand? Else we will drive them out easily. But they are weapons that are not intended for you to identify. It says, they shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst of them. And then we will slay them with offense, with independent spirit, left and right. We will slay them. Do you have the message version? It says, we will slay them, we will kill them, left and right. It says, and all this time, our enemies were saying, they won't know what hit them. By the time we realize, we see the church is going down. People are leaving the church. The, the, the music is going down. The preaching is going down. Then we are now even having some form of lack of enthusiasm even to be here. And we don't know what is happening. We don't know what is going on. So that is the intention of the enemy. He says they will not know what hates them. They will not know what is destroying the church. They won't know what hit them. Before they know it, before we can tell, we will be at their throat, killing them right and left. That will put a stop to the work. That is the only plan of the enemy, to put a stop to the work. Hallelujah. And so we are identifying these weapons. Hallelujah. Today I want to continue and give you the next weapon that the enemy uses to cause the work of God to cease. And that is the weapon of criticism and accusations. Criticism and accusations. Amen. So you, are, you realize that what is causing the work of God to cease, what is causing the work of God to stop, is not some force from outside. Do you realize that all the weapons we are identifying, they are not some force from outside, but they are force from within. They are force from within. Amen. People from outside do not cause our work to break. We don't, they don't cause us to be divided. Do you understand? It is work from within. Amen. So what is causing the work is within us. People in our midst develop a critical spirit. What we call a critical spirit. Now a person with a critical spirit is someone who always criticizes what others are doing. He always or she always criticizes what other people are doing in the church. He's a person or she's a person who finds fault in everything. In everything 
she will find fault. And if it is good, she will not or he will not make a comment. But she looks to find fault in everything. Now, such a person does not encourage your effort. When you have a person who criticizes around you, he does not encourage the efforts that you make. Amen. And whenever you speak to such a person, you feel discouraged. Whenever you encounter such a person, you feel discouraged. That is a person with a critical spirit. Amen. And by dictionary definition, a critic is a person who tends too readily to make captious, trivial, or harsh judgment or remarks. Do you get it? A person who tends too readily or easily to make captious, trivial, or harsh judgment or remark. Amen. Now, captious means someone who is apt to notice and to make much of trivial faults or defects. He's someone who is difficult to please. Amen. Other expression is a fault finder. You know, someone who has made himself or herself a fault finder. Hallelujah. Now, the enemy uses criticism and accusations and fault finding to discourage us from doing the work of God. Hallelujah. That is the enemy's intention, to use criticism to cause the work to cease. Hallelujah. Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 1. Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 1. I want you to take note that all the things that we are sharing, they are in the Bible. Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 1, the Bible says, But it came to pass that when Sambalat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. He mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren, and the army of Samaria, and said, What do these feeble Jews, will they fortify themselves? Do you see? These are people who are building a wall around the city of God. And then he looks at them and he says, What do these feeble Jews, these weak Jews, what are they doing? Will they fortify themselves? Do they think they are going to strengthen themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? That means, will they end anywhere? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are buried? Look at the mess. What do they think they are going to make of it? They are critics. They, and the enemy who wants to cause the work of God to cease, they discourage you. They discourage your efforts. They discourage what you are trying to do. So the next verse... Now Tobiah and Tobiah the Ammonite was by him. You see the people when someone is criticizing, then you are standing there and then you also add to it. So he was standing by him and he said, even that which they built, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. What a shock. You see, that is a very discouraging statement. He said, even if a fox, I mean, have you seen a fox go over a stone wall, it will even break it. That means what you have done is useless. 
In other words, stop what you are doing. Because even the fox jumping over it, will, that means if there's a strong storm, then everything will come down. So stop what you are doing. Hear, oh, our God, for we are despised. And turn their reproach upon their own head. And give them for a prey in the land of captivity. You see, whenever you rise up to resist the work of God, whenever you oppose someone who is doing the work of God, I want to tell you that doing the work of God is a very difficult thing. It's a very challenging thing. So when anyone rises up to oppose the work of God, the Lord resists you. The Lord opposes you. You become a direct enemy to the Lord. You become a wall of resistance. You become a gate of hell. And he says he will not prevail. You will not prevail. That means that Jesus will fight you and overcome you until you are dead. So whenever anyone lifts his voice like this to pray, like someone is singing in a choir, and the person is singing, and someone comes to say, what do you think you are doing? What kind of voice is this? Were you trying to sing or what? Were you talking or you were singing? Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? He said, what, what, what? Was it a song or it was a poem? I didn't get it. Were you trying to sing or you were reciting a poem? You see, when someone says something like this, as a, someone who is making effort to sing, and you have practiced the whole week, and you have come to sing, and someone makes a comment like this, and you go down on your knees and you say, Oh, hear me, my God, for I am despised. This statement that she made, I am despised. And you say, turn her reproach or turn his reproach upon his own head. And give her or give him for a prey in the land of captivity. I tell you, the Lord will give you as a prey in the land of captivity. Do you understand? And you never want a prayer like this to go over your head. Because it will come to pass. It will come to pass. Amen. He says, and cover not their iniquities. That means when you ask for forgiveness, the Lord will not cover it. And let not their sin be blotted from, your, from before thee. For they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. You see, this is what we don't know. When we oppose the work of God, you may think that you are opposing the person who is building or who is being used by the Lord. You may think that you are fighting the pastor. You may think that you are fighting the choir leader. You may think that you are fighting the chorister, or you are fighting our cameraman. But when you do that, what you don't know is that you are provoking the Lord to anger before his builder. Amen. You are provoking the Lord to anger. And so, he says, so built we the wall, and the wall was joined together unto the half thereof. Do you see that the enemy will not prevail because the work will go on? Because he said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Hallelujah. 
So the enemy's way of stopping the work is to discourage us. Amen. Is to discourage us. And his discouragement, it comes in accusation and criticisms. Hallelujah. Second Samuel chapter 15 and verse 1. Second Samuel chapter 15. And it came to pass after this that Absalom prepared him chariots. Are you with me? Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. Absalom is David's son. And the Bible says he prepared before him chariots and horses and 50 men to go before him like a king. The next verse, and Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so that when any man that had a controversy came to the king for judgment, then Absalom called unto him and said, Of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is of one of the tribes of Israel. The next verse, And Absalom said unto him, See, thy matters are good and right. You see, so, there are people who are coming to see the king. And when they get to the gate of the city, Absalom has positioned himself with his chariot and his front runners who have gathered around him as a king's son and he's standing before them. So whenever anyone comes who is, you have a dispute with someone and you are coming to the king for judgment, you are coming to the king's court, he calls you and he says, come. What matter brings you here? First of all, he's interested in what city you are from. Where do you come from? It's like he develops interest in you. So you feel the king's son is really interested in me. So he says, where do you come from? He says, I am from one of the, your servant is one of the tribes of Israel. Then he says, next verse, he says, and Absalom says, see, thy matters are good and right. Everyone that comes, he says, you have a good case. The case you have brought is a good case. You have a good case, but there is no man deputed of the king to hear thee. You have a good case. Perhaps this is not the first time you are coming. You have come to court second, third, fourth time, and every time the case is postponed. You have a good case, but there is no one appointed by the king to hear your case. The king does not seem to care about your case. This case should have been settled, but you have no one appointed of the king to discuss your matter. You see, because this is the time Around this period, there was so much going on in the house of David. First of all, one of his sons, Amnon, has gone to rape his own sister or his own half-sister. He has gone to rape his own half-sister and it has become chaotic in the king's house. And then his own brother has killed this Amnon. Absalom has killed him and so the king is in Confusion. And sometimes the leader has so much going on that sometimes he can't even oversee certain activities. And the people who are coming to see the king, they do not know that. They don't know that there is chaos in the king's house. For them, they have come to church. 
They don't know that the king is going through certain trials. They don't know that the king is going through certain difficulties. They don't know that the king is not well. For them, they need a pastor. They need the king to make judgment. For them, they need someone to talk to. They don't understand. For them, as far as they are concerned, they are having their wedding and the pastor should show up. As far as they are concerned, they have a pastor and if they are having a party, the pastor should come. As far as they are concerned, it was their birthday and the pastor was not in church and they are not happy. You see, and the shepherds who know the inside of the things that are happening, you see, for instance, you're having your baby dedication and the pastor could not come. And the pastor has sent a shepherd to come. And then the pastor comes and says, wow, look at your baby dedication. Look how many people have gathered. And the pastor didn't come. The pastor didn't show up. Did you call him? Did you inform him? Did you give him a date? That He said, oh, I spoke to him two months ago. And he knows about it. And he didn't show up. You see, this is what Absalom was doing. Criticizing the house of the king. Criticizing what is going on. So, you, you, your, your wedding, you, but the pastor has sent you. You were having your wedding and all the people have gathered. And the pastor was late. And they have sat there, praise and worship. They have sung praise. Their songs are finished. And the pastor was late. And then the wedding happens and then you go. And then one of the shepherds calls you. You see what I always talk about? Did you see? A big day like this. And look, he was late. A big day like this, he was late. Meanwhile, the pastor has called the shepherd and said, I am coming 80 miles away and I'm stuck in traffic. But keep the praise and worship going on. I'll be there. So, Absalom, he knows what was happening in the king's house. But he says, you have a good case. Everyone has a good case. But you don't have anyone to hear you. Amen. He says, you have a good case, but you have no one to hear you. And he is pointing out the weaknesses in the king's regime. His plan is to point out, criticize what the king ought to do and what the king is not doing. Do you see? So Absalom said, moreover, oh, that I were made judge in the land. You see, you have a good case. But if I were made judge in the land, if I was the one in charge, this is not how I will run affairs. That every man which hath any suit, that means you have a case, you have a suit, or you have a cause might come unto me and I will do him justice. I will do him justice if I was the one made a judge in the land. Do you hear the word of God? If I were the one that was made, this is the son in the king's palace who knows what is going on inside the house. Amen. If I were made a judge. And then he says, and it was so that when any man came nigh to him to do him obeisance, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. Do you see? So, you see, Absalom is showing compassion. Absalom is showing compassion to the people. And you see, you come to see the king. He calls you. You know, you are a poor peasant. You are a poor farmer. You know, you are dressed 
In a certain way, and the king's son, dressed in his royal apparel, calls you, and you come near. You feel very privileged. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? You feel very privileged, and then he calls you. He's interested in what tribe you are from, what case brought you into the city, what are you, and then he holds your hand like this, and he says, oh, my brother. And then he kisses your hand. Do you understand? But look, verse 6, he says, And on this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. This is the intention of the enemy. To criticize what the leadership is doing. To turn the hearts of the people from the leadership. To cause the work to cease. To cause the work to cease. Amen. But the shepherd's work is to turn the hearts, the hearts of the people to the pastor. The shepherd's is to turn the hearts of the people. Yes, the pastor has not called you when you were sick. The pastor didn't call you and the shepherd called. The shepherd is supposed to say, Pastor wanted me to call you to see how you are doing. Pastor is praying for you. Pastor cares about you. Pastor would have loved to be at your adoring, but so many things crop up and pastor had to be here. Pastor had to be at the wedding. Pastor had to be at the funeral. Pastor had to be at the baby dedication and all of these things happen at the same time. So I am here. And pastor's heart is with me here. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? This way, you turn the hearts of the people to the pastor. Not criticizing the pastor to the congregation. Amen. Not criticizing one another to the congregation. You see, the sister that led the choir, that, that was singing, did you hear her? You see, and then the visitor that came, ah, what was wrong with her voice? You see, I don't know. I think the sister has a cold. Because this sister, when she lifts up her voice to sing, oh, my Lord and my God. It's like angels are descending. But I don't know what happened to her today. I think something must have happened to her voice. This way you turn the heart of the person with a different expectation. When the person is here another time, he's expecting something else from the sister. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? Instead of criticizing criticizing. Eh? That is how she is. And she will not let anyone leave. Every time she Every time she wants to leave. But did you hear how she sings? If, do you think such a person should lead us? Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? It says, you will not know what hit us. You see, when we are doing these things, we think it is our own selfish thing and our own, but the enemy is using us to cause the work to cease. To cause the work to cease. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? Accusation and criticism. It causes the work to stop. Amen. Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. And verse 10. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10. The scripture says, And I heard a voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength. Are you with me? Yes. It says, Now, say now. Now. Now, now. 
Say, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. Now, this is the time that we are experiencing salvation. We are experiencing strength. We are experiencing the power of the kingdom of our God. Why now? Why now? Why not then? Why now? And he's giving us the reason. He says, for the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. The accuser of our brethren is cast down. When the accuser of the brethren is there, there is no salvation. There is no power. There is no release of power when the accuser of the brethren is still there. But the moment we remove accusation from our midst, the moment the accuser of the brethren is gone, he says, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of our Christ. Now, this is the time because accusation is gone. When we are able to remove accusations from our midst, Power is released in the church. Salvation is released in the church. People are happy to do their best when accusation is gone out of us. Amen. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? You see, no one does well in an environment where he or she is accused. No one does well. You will never perform well in an environment where you are constantly watched and monitored to find faults and to accuse you. You will never perform best. You will never put up your best. Your best, in fact, will never come out. Not that there is no good in you. But in an environment where there is accusation, it does not come. No power is released. Amen. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? In an environment where you are monitored, where you are watched, have you not realized that after you have rehearsed and you have tried the verses, all the verses of the song you have tried and you know them in your head, the moment you come to stand before the people who have accusative eyes and their critical eyes and they are watching your lips, the words seem to get out of you. You seem to forget all the words. Everything seems to go out of you. But when you see the people with applause, just as you walk in, just as you come in, they are clapping and their faces are all with smiles and they are expecting to hear you. The song just flow like that. The song just overflow. That is why whenever you come before people who are interviewing you to find faults with you, you don't perform best. You become nervous. Words don't come from your mouth. You seem, to, you seem to stammer. When you appear before judges, people who are looking to hear you, to judge you, to criticize you, to say you are not good enough, to say that you don't qualify, you don't put up your best. Sometimes you, there's a place that you pass, you go all the time, you walk around the place all the time, and one day you see people standing there and they're watching you as you are coming. Even the high heels that you have walked in for many, many weeks, you begin to start dribbling in your, your walking. As you are walking, the same place. And then you trip. Sometimes you, 
just because there are critical eyes watching you. And you never do well. You never perform your best. You never do well in an environment where you are criticized. In an environment where you are monitored and criticized, you don't put up your best. Hallelujah. You don't ever put up your best. Amen. You see, sometimes you have a dress that you don't even really like so much. You don't really like and so you say, oh, today is a rainy day and I don't want to wear my, um, my nice dress. So let me wear this thing that, you know, it's not. And then you wear that same dress and then you come to church. And then everyone that sees you, wow, where did you get this dress from? Where did you buy this? How? Wow, it looks so nice on you. Wow, look at you. Oh my, turn around, let me see. Wow, where, how long have you owned this? I never saw you wearing this. And then you meet another person. The same comments. You look nice in this dress. You meet another person. Wow, you look good in the dress. You look, the moment you begin to hear this, your workings will change. I say your workings will change. You came here with your arms like this. You don't want people to see, but you begin, you boost your confidence. Your head be lifted up. And your best becomes something that was hidden. Now you're working is best. Now you begin to mingle with the guys. You say, let the guys also see what I'm wearing. Because someone is giving you compliments. Do you understand? And the dress that you never like, the dress that was for a rainy day, now you begin to take good care of that dress. Now you begin to treasure that dress. It becomes one of your favorite dress. You move it from the back of your closet and you bring it forward and you begin to make plans that this wedding, when the people will not see it, when I'm going to Ohio for the wedding, this is what I'm going to wear. The dress that did not make any difference in life. You see, when there is no accusation, you put up your best. A dress that was nothing becomes now your best dress. Because there's no accusation. Is somebody understand what I'm sharing with you? In an environment where you are criticized and accused, no one does well. I say no one does well. In an environment where you are criticized and you are accused, you don't do well. Amen. Amen. Many wives would do very well if they were encouraged. Many wives would do very well if they were encouraged. Someone is trying to lose small weight. Someone is trying to lose small weight. And every time, ah, you've been exercising for how long have you joined the gym? You've been, you've been going to the gym for the last three months. But I don't see any difference. You are wasting the money. Do you really go to the gym? When you go to the gym, do you exercise or you go and sit to watch the people? You see? But when you lose half a pound, and then somebody says, Ah, have you lost some weight? Then you begin. You see, you used to go to the gym once a day or once a week. Now you are going three times a week. 
because this my once a day, once a week has even caused a change and people have noticed it, I will go again and I will go again because of encouragement, because someone is encouraging you, because someone is bringing out the best in you because accusation, he says that when accusation is gone out power is released power is released, salvation the strength of our God, it is released when accusation is removed from our mess Amen. Amen. That you notice. Ah, I see that your face looks like you have lost some weight now. I said many people would do very well if there would be a little bit of encouragement. A little bit of encouragement. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? A little bit of encouragement. If only you will come home and then you will just be happy with your, you see, many wives, many wives, you know, Especially if you come from the place where I come from. You realize that many young women, they grew up. Some of them, you know, as soon as they were at the age where they should be in the kitchen with their mother, they went to school. They went to boarding school. They spent all their time from there. They went to the university. And then you saw her at the university. And then you said, as soon as school is over, I'll marry you. You didn't wait for her to go back to her house to learn how to cook. You didn't let right away. You took her and then you married her. And then you say, Ah, where is the cooking? You are not happy with the cooking. Every day you are criticizing the cooking. It's too much pepper. It's too much salt. It's too much this. It's too much. Ah, it's not enough salt. It's not enough pepper. What happened? It's like water. Is that soup or is that stew? Is that, you're making all these comments, you see, and when the woman is standing at the kitchen and she's cooking, she's nervous. She's holding the salt and her hand is shaking. She doesn't know if it's going to be too much or too small. But when you encourage, when you say, wow, that food is good. Did you make it? I love it. Wow. What recipe is that? What recipe? Meanwhile, it's not the best, but you are just encouraging. Do you understand? You are just encouraging and enjoying it. And the moment you start doing that, she now begins, says, my husband likes my cooking. I am going to prove to her that I am a real cook. You see now, she's buying other books, how to cook. Different men, you see, watching the TV and putting down notes. So you come home different because she realizes that you like what she's doing. The best is now coming out of her. The best is coming out of her. Criticism, it causes the work to cease. Accusation causes the work to cease. Amen. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? Some husbands will do very well if they are encouraged. If their efforts are encouraged. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? If their efforts are encouraged. You, you say you like birthday gifts. You say you like cars. The birthday card we gave you, we see it in the garbage. You have no value for it. But this year, you want another car. You see, it's not encouraging. They gave you a birthday card and you took it. And then... Ah. <laughs> ah. You have made yourself a typical person who comes from a country which, which begins with, I'm not going to say. 
your husband has come home holding flowers. He has bought flowers for you. And he has brought flowers and chocolate. And then you say, ah, you could have given me the money. Ah! Ah! Chocolate, ah, and it's and it's dark chocolate also. Ah, why do you become so much of a person who comes from a country which then begins with one of the alphabets? You say flowers, ah, flowers, 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 ah. Accusation, it causes from that time the man and flowers. When he sees flower shop, he looks another way. As for flowers, but if we will encourage, you say chocolate, chocolate. You could have gone to the store and buy me some toffees instead of chocolate. You want toffee, toffee instead of chocolate. Ah, be a little romantic. a little a little bit is it why don't you buy me some kebab chocolate but if you encourage him with the flowers with the chocolate and then the man says oh last year her birthday she loved the chocolate and the flowers this year i'm going to do something different this year i'm taking you to london our time is up Hallelujah. I say encouragement. When you encourage, when you remove the accusation, when the accusation is gone, it releases power. It releases the money from the bank. Your, 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 your lack of accusation will cause the power to release the money. The man who is so stingy, now you begin, he begins to release the money. Amen. If only we were encouraged. Hallelujah. I have a lot to share with you, but we don't have enough time. Our time is up, and I want you to stand to your feet. We want to pause here, and we will continue. But accusation will cause the work to cease. It will cause the work to cease. It will cause the work to cease. Oh, oh, Jesus. We are grateful. Oh, we are grateful. We are grateful. We are grateful. We are thankful, Lord. We are grateful. We are thankful. Lord, remove the enemy, the enemy from the thankful and grateful for your word. Lord, thank you for revealing unto us the weapons of the enemy, the vials of the wicked one, the tricks of the enemy. Lord, open our eyes to identify each one of them. May we never fall prey to the enemy. May we never allow the enemy to use us to cause the work to cease. Father, we declare that we are on your side and never against you. We declare that we are never the gates of hell. We pray, Lord, help us, O God, to resist the enemy. 
in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. If there's anyone here this afternoon, you are not born again, with all eyes closed and every head bow, you are saying, I want to give my life to Jesus. You want to come to the Lord, you want to give your life to Christ. You are here this afternoon. You are saying, Pastor, pray with me. I want to receive Jesus as my Savior. I want to welcome Jesus Christ into my life. Perhaps you have been in a church many, many times. But you know within your heart that you don't have Jesus as your Savior. This afternoon, I want to give you that opportunity. Do not leave this place without receiving Jesus as your Savior. You are saying, Pastor, pray with me. I want to receive Jesus. If that is your prayer, wherever you are, just lift up your right hand and I'll pray with you. If there's anyone here like that, lift up your right hand. I will say a short prayer with you. You are saying, Pastor, pray with me. I want to give my life to Jesus. Is there anyone here like that? Is there anyone here like that? You want to give your life to Jesus. Perhaps somebody invited you to church, but you are saying, Pastor, pray with me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I'm giving you that opportunity. Anyone here like that? Oh, Jesus. Glory and honor. Father, we are thankful. We give you honor for the gift of salvation. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you? We believe you've been blessed by this timely and powerful message. We invite you to join us on Sunday afternoons for our Duel of Heaven service and Tuesday evenings for our Word Power service. For more messages by Rev. Bright Nkrumah, please subscribe to the QFC Bronx North Podcast or contact us at 929-247-0738. Stay blessed.